Uh, if you were just reading Hebrew, I was thinking uh, of the translation of the hope of a place of great darkness wanting there to be light. And if you, if you weren't looking at the translation, I'm going to translate it for you. It's, I think, very apropos since we just turned into 2023. And I know a lot of people are not feeling a lot of hope or a lot of light ahead. Uh, in fact, a lot of fear or trepidation about another year. And even the little tiny things that we feel hopeful about, a bar mitzvah, a birthday, a wedding, the little things, what if I don't make it? What if I physically can't get there? What if I get COVID? What all of the things that in the last few years have made it difficult for us to just face the light. It says, next year we will sit on the porch and count migrating birds. Children on vacation will play catch between the house and the fields. You will see yet how good it will be next year. Red grapes will ripen till the evening and will be served chilled to the table and lazy winds will carry the crossroads of old newspapers like a cloud. Next year, we will spread our own hands toward the radiant light. A white heron will spread her wings in the light as the sun shines through them. And I was thinking, Rabbi, mm -hmm. that um, the word in Hebrew for, for year, you probably know because it's Barosh Ha. Shana. Shana is the word for year. But it's the same root as the word for change. Um, so we say the coming change um, that 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 we're hopeful for changes, um, and I, I'm hopeful too. Good, you can spread some of that. You can spread some of that hope on us. So, Evers Parsha. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you read it right now. He just looked up like, <laughs> don't don't worry, it's tomorrow. Uh, is Vayechi, which is the very last parsha of the book of Genesis. And when we get to the end of each one of the books, we say, Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazek, which means be strong, be strong, and we will be strengthened. And we say it five times. So we say it at the end of each one of the five books of Moses. And I think it's very important that we have that moment because sometimes when we're reading the Torah stories, they're the stories of our own family, of our own tribe, of our own tribulations, and uh, we, need, we need that strength. So I think a lot these days as 2020, it's 2023, right? <laughs> How many people here have felt confounded over the last almost three years about time? Like when things actually happened, right? I think it just is, it, it's something that's universal. Uh, and I, sometimes even day to day or week to week, so I can't believe, like, has it really only been seven days since last Shabbat, which was actually 2022, last Shabbat? How, how is that really possible? And I think of Shabbat as an anchor, the one day that we can actually celebrate for one hour more, the Jewish day of Shabbat is 25 hours, that immerses us not in a physical place, but in holy time that's different than any other day of the week. The Jewish philosopher Ahad Ha'am wrote, more than the Jewish people have kept Shabbat, Shabbat has kept the Jews. In the past three years, time has become so convoluted, and that's why I actually believe that Shabbat is almost like a rescue for us, to keep us even more aware of our present moments and how important they are. When I was in rabbinical school, many of my fellow classmates and myself would attend Kabbalat Shabbat services at a famous progressive synagogue called Kol Hanishama in, um, in the German colony, right down the street from, uh, from my apartment. 
and we would go to Shabbat services on Friday night, every Friday night there, and there was incredibly beautiful communal singing, and the rabbi, Rabbi Levi um, Kelman, was brilliant, and he would start out Kabbalat Shabbat, I'll never, forgive this, I'll never forget this, every Friday night he'd do the same thing, he'd, and it was all in Hebrew, so it was like a struggle in itself to be there and really concentrate if you were in rabbinical school and it was your first year and you were learning Hebrew, but he would get us totally focused on the present moment by saying, close your eyes, and we would have everybody close their eyes, and he would have you remember back to the last Shabbat. And he would have you go in your mind as your eyes were closed. He would say, remember what it was like, where you were, who you were with, what you were doing last Friday night. Then remember what you were doing last Saturday. And he would do that through the seven days of the week until when you kind of finally came to Shabbat in that sanctuary in Jerusalem, you were totally there. It was like you got to remember what you did over the last seven days, and then you let it go, which is, I think, imperative to actually be present in Shabbat, is to kind of let go of the stuff that we don't need with us. So I remember that very clearly, but I feel like maybe it's because that was like, I don't know, 30 years ago, that I have trouble remembering a lot of the stuff between them then and now, uh, and especially during the last three years. And when I woke up this past Sunday on New Year's, was, was Sunday New Year's Day? <laughs> okay, the day after Shabbat. When I woke up on Sunday morning, and it was actually January 1st, 2023, the first thing I thought of was, is it going to be like last year? Is it going to be like the year before? Is good stuff going to happen or a lot more bad stuff going to happen this year? What's going to be the same and what's going to be different? What can I count on and... How am I going to be destabilized by the stuff that I can't count on? And for many of us over the course of the past three years, the before and the during and is it ever going to end pandemic time um, has melted into each other. Time stood still, then sped up, and it felt out of order a lot of the time for us. And when I speak with people, many times people say they have a hard time remembering when something happened, like when the last time was they were together or which holiday it was, or who was there. Was it before COVID happened? Was it before my dad died? Was it before the graduation or before that trip? So the before and after in our lives becomes muddled. I mean, last night, Kilauea erupted again. And today marks the second anniversary of the January 6th insurrection in Washington, DC. There's been a lot of upheaval. And when we think backwards in time, sometimes I feel a little bit shocked about how much time has passed just in the last few years, but also how, how little. Think, think about this. In 1929, Anne Frank was born, Dr. Martin Luther King was born, and Barbara Walters was born. So when Barbara Walters died this week at age 93, I thought if Anne Frank had lived, she would be 93 this year, and if Dr. Martin Luther King had lived, he would be 93 this year, and that, to me, just, it gave me a perspective on time that I think I hadn't thought of for a while. Now, as some of you know, um, my family lives on a houseboat in Sausalito. So you can imagine what the last few days um, have, have been like. Um, and thanks to everybody who called and asked if you could come and bail out the boat or if we needed a place to sleep. It felt a little bit like a combined episode of the portion of Noah's Ark and Gilligan's Island happening at the same time. But it felt very comforting to know that so many people who remembered that we lived on a boat <clears throat> called to say, do you need a place to sleep? Um, now, the one thing about living on a houseboat is you are really close to nature. When there's an atmospheric river, when the winds are blowing, when there's a storm, 
it's, it's right there. But as long as you don't spring a leak, you're fine because you're actually floating on top of what is the storm. A few nights ago, as I sat relaxing on the couch, clutching our portable generator, <laughs> just in case, um, we realized that our electric menorah was still sitting in the window. And my wife, Ellen, said, wouldn't this be a great time? It's super late at night and it's dark. Let's just light up the menorah. And I was like, I, you know, I'm pretty sure Hanukkah was like three weeks ago. It might have been three days ago. feels like three weeks ago. And she reminded me about our dear friend, Ari Golden, who had added an extra night for her family, called it Nanaka for the ninth night of Hanukkah for her kids. And so Ellen said, well, <clears throat> why don't we just, because it's so dark out now and it feels dark inside and out, why don't we just light the Hanukkah and the, Han the menorah and we'll just call it Ananaka. <clears throat> <laughs> so um, the Rebbitson gave me rabbinic permission to have a new holiday called Ananaka, which was, um, and I thought to myself, you know, I know a lot of people who have Christmas or holidays trees and they start decorating like around Thanksgiving and then I see them dragging them out like the end of February. So I thought like if, if that's the fate of Christmas trees, why can't the Jewish people spread Hanukkah out to Ananaka and we can just have it when it's really dark because the impact of having a menorah is actually beautiful. And so, so, we, so, we, um, lit, so we lit our menorah for the eighth day of Ananaka and we sat there um, in the darkness, and we felt a little bit warmer floating on the boat. What I want to invite all of us to do, in that same sense that I felt very vulnerable, and even though it was funny to have Anna and Annika, but like, wow, the menorah is there. I can totally count on the menorah. I want us to, this Shabbat, open up to our own vulnerability as human beings and as Jews, um, and think about what keeps you afloat in your life. Is it a person? Is it your home? Is it a pet? Is it the love that you feel from someone in your life? And I have simple rabbinic advice to everybody here, everybody who's at home, who's with us tonight, which is to really lean in to Jewish time. Lean into your Judaism. You're all here and you're doing it. Lean in even more. Um, I, uh, I remember when I first put a Jewish calendar app on my phone. Do it. It's so cool because you just open up your calendar and you can, you know, what you could really do is you could tell people when it's going to be a full moon because we're on the lunar calendar. Um, but it's not surprising if you feel vulnerable or weak at some place in your own life uh, or in your relationships at this time because it's been a rough time. And so it makes sense to say, chazak, chazak, v'nit chazek, be strong, be strong, we will be strengthened because we've been celebrating Shabbat for about 4,000 years. And I want to quote Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Sachs of blessed memory, who said, the Jewish people have been written off many times by their enemies, but they remain, after almost 4,000 years, still young and strong. And the reason I believe that to be true is from the story when we sang Michamocha, the crossing of the Reed Sea, in the Babylonian Talmud. It describes the crossing, and it gives credit to the first person who walked in the water. And it says, Rabbi Yehuda said to Rabbi Meir, this is how the incident took place. This is how we got from darkness to light. He said, first the tribe said, I'm not going into the water first. And the second tribe said, I'm not going into the sea first. And everybody backed away from the sea before it split. Until this one guy whose name was Nachshon just walked right into the water. And he's the one who actually said the words of the Michamocha. So what I encourage each one of us to do is, in the moments, even if it's not the very end of a Torah book, to think to yourself, chazak, chazak, v'nid chazak. How can you be strengthened by our tradition? And then look around. Whoever you're with, they need a little of your strength too.
Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom.